Hello and welcome to Everyone Special and No One Is, a podcast which is about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. If you're very familiar with my introduction, you will notice that I just added the word which in there. Usually I just say it's a podcast about obscure, misunderstood, and or controversial topics related to music. But this time I threw in the word which just to see if anyone was paying attention. Ha! This is episode number five of The Long Haul, which is a miniseries I'm doing where I'm writing a song week by week, sharing my progress throughout the songwriting and recording process. And each week I'm talking about my personal background and like a deep dive into a particular topic that relates to the particular stage of the songwriting process that I'm in. So there's a little bit of past reflection plus present working on the song and then future speculation talking about where this song is going and how I'm going to finish it. Because at the very end of this, I'm going to need to release this song on Spotify. It needs to be good enough. I need to be satisfied with it. I need to feel like it's something that represents my work and who I am as a person. So that adds another level of pressure here. But anyway, anyway. Earlier today, I spent about three hours or a little bit more than three hours recording and editing my vocals for a demo of the song that I'm working on. And I'm going to be talking more about that in the second half of this episode. But that's why the topic of the first half is going to be my relationship to singing and how that has evolved through the years. And I know I've definitely talked about this topic here and there in many, many, many different episodes already, but I think a lot of what I've talked about is just like my insecurities towards my voice in the present, but I haven't really talked about how I got there and why I am insecure about my own voice. So I kind of just felt like it would be informative both for the sake of, you know, you the listeners out there and beneficial for me myself to make an episode reflecting on the different steps, how how my voice has evolved and how my attitudes towards singing have evolved. So I think, I mean, I don't know, it seems like a lot of people have, a lot of people who write songs and sing out in public performances like a lot of them say oh yeah i was singing ever since i was a baby my parents couldn't get me to stop singing and then i sing uh every weekend in church and it's like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> for me it just it feels like people who are confident in their voice tend to have these stories about their childhood where singing was such a big deal and I can't really remember singing all that much as a kid. I mean, it's not like I was against singing. I was just kind of neutral towards it, you know? <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would sing along with Happy Birthday at birthday parties, and I sang a little bit in elementary school when we had to for, like, choir class or whatever. But when it was middle school and, you know, the, the music classes are getting more serious and we had the choice to take choir, band, or orchestra... I chose band. In my mind, even though this is totally not a fair assumption, in my mind at the time, I felt like anybody who chose choir was probably doing it because they were lazy, because it's much easier just to sit 
or stand in a large group of other students and sing along than it is to actually learn to play an instrument. <laughs> so I was like, no, I can't go the easy route. I can't do choir. I have to have to join band. And so that's when I started to play saxophone. And I'm really, really grateful that I learned to play the saxophone. But, you know, everything in life is priorities. And as a result, I did not spend quite as much time singing as I otherwise potentially would have. But honestly, I think I liked band a lot more and had a lot of fun in band. So, so that was good. Um, did not do band or anything in high school. I did sign up for the jazz band in my freshman year of high school, but quickly dropped out because I just, I felt like it wasn't for me that I wanted to pursue playing on my own rather than playing in a group where, you know, everything is dictated by the teacher, what we have to play, what we do. I mean, that's sort of my rebellious spirit, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, all respect to band and jazz band. And I think it's a really, really valuable experience, but my rebellious high school self was not about it. But but backing up a little bit, um, aside from, you know, what I was doing in school when it came to music and potentially singing or potentially not singing, uh, I was also, of course, doing music outside of school. Uh, first, like the first serious thing that I was doing was the rock band that I was in in middle school with my friend Bobby. I've talked about that several times on the podcast before. Um, and I actually did sing a few of the songs in the band. I was never the lead singer, let me clarify that. <laughs> but sometimes, on a few of the songs, I did actually sing background vocals, which was fun. Although, Wait, no, 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 I'm wrong. I did, I think there was like one performance with the rock band where I did sing one song and it was Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> and I played bass and sang it. I think that's how, I think that's how that happened. Just for one performance. And I had my moment of stardom. <laughs> but generally I was much more comfortable just doing the background vocals and letting Bobby do the you know, the, the, the center of attention, like the, the singing, the, cause I don't know, that just wasn't who I was at the time, <laughs> but it was fun to get to sing background vocals in some cases. And I remember there is this one point, this one very, very clear memory that I have. It was when me and Bobby were playing in um, this was the guitar and bass summer camp, which was in, I think, was it in Wisconsin? We went to this like music slash arts um, summer program that was specifically focused on playing guitar and bass. And so we took a bunch of lessons. Obviously, Bobby was playing guitar and I was playing bass, but some of it overlapped. And uh, we did have final ensemble performances at the end of the camp. So me and Bobby were like, we're already in a rock band together. Why not perform together in the final performance? And so we were going to play Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm not going to bother playing the recording of the song by the Chili Peppers, by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I don't even have the recording of the performance, sadly. <laughs> but I do remember 
very, very clearly this conversation that me and Bobby had when we were practicing and preparing for the performance of Under the Bridge, there is, towards the end of the song, there is sort of a high falsetto vocal harmony part, and Bobby wanted me to sing that. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll sing that. And I was, um, I don't know, I think not really taking it super seriously, like I was just kind of singing whatever and not really paying attention to my pitch. I mean, give me a break. I was like 12, 13 years old. <laughs> um, but Vavi was very, very serious about trying to do the best performance of this song as possible. And he saw that I wasn't really, you know, taking the singing part that seriously. So then he sang back to me that high vocal harmony. And I remember being very impressed by how he sang and projected and hit the notes. And it's like, wow, he sung that high harmony really, really well. Um, it, it was it was one of the first times that I remember distinctly thinking, wow, I could not sing it as well as Bobby just sang it. You know, like like the potentially the first time in my memory that I can clearly point to somebody else in my life is able to sing something better than I could sing it even if I wanted to, you know? So, A, I wasn't taking it too seriously to begin with, and then B, when Bobby showed me how he wanted me to sing it, I was intimidated <laughs> and was perfectly happy when he said that he would rather sing that high harmony himself. Um, so from <laughs> that that kind of like i don't know that that is one of the memories that sticks out to me as shaping my attitudes towards singing and i'll be getting into more in a bit but yeah i i continued to sing background vocals and some of the songs in the band but not that one <laughs> and well i don't even know if we even played that song ever again i think it was just at the summer camp but anyway um there was a period of time in the band where I also did some solo performances and then later I ended up like quitting the band entirely and then only performing on my own. And a lot like around that time, which is like eighth grade for me, I was really much, I was, I was very focused on, I want to play songs on piano and I want to sing them for an audience and I want to play songs on bass and also sing them in front of an audience and I want to use my loop pedal using live looping to play multiple instruments record them play them back play more instruments and then continue to sing over top of them and I did like a handful of performances like that where I was actually singing a bit not not every song and now drums are happening can you still hear me um and now drums are not happening <laughs> totally lost my train of thought 
So as I started to do more performances where A, I'm the only one on stage, and B, I'm also singing in these performances, it seemed appropriate to start taking actual vocal lessons in order to improve my voice. I honestly can't remember if I was the one who went up to my mom and was like, Mom, can I have vocal lessons? Or if someone else maybe recommended it to me and I thought it was a good idea. I have no idea. But Anyway, I started vocal lessons and I took the lessons um, from, you know, uh, Schmidt Music, which is a music store in Minnesota. So I would go there. My mom would drive me there once a week and I would have lessons. And my teacher was very, very friendly, very supportive. Um, I, I felt like me and him got along really well, but as opposed to piano lessons or saxophone lessons, which is what I had been familiar with before vocal lessons, there's something about voice lessons that felt somehow like more vulnerable almost because there's not like another instrument that I'm playing that's making the sound. It's my own, it's my own voice. It's hard to describe why that feels more vulnerable than <laughs> playing an instrument, but it's just... I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, so it was just, it felt a little bit weird for me to sing in front of this person that, you know, at the beginning I didn't know very well. And like, he's singing back at me. And I don't know, it just seems like <laughs> emitting vocal sounds in a tight space is somehow more, yeah, I'm doing a, a terrible job of describing it. But I mean, may, maybe, you know, Maybe you can visualize what I'm trying to say when I'm saying that it was awkward singing when... And now drums are happening again. Um, so <laughs> I have some recordings of myself singing in my vocal lessons and practicing with my teacher. He was really big on, you should record your voice and listen back so you can be critical about your own singing and how you can improve. So this is a recording of me singing Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, which I was trying to learn how to sing for at least several months. And this is like, this recording of me is after... All those months practicing after my teacher coaching me on how to sing it, and I'm like really going for it. So <laughs> this is not my first time singing the song. This is after all that preparation. Um, but I just want to play you a little sample of that. I found it in the recesses of the archives of my computer. <laughs> so here you go. This is from 2014. I'm waking up to ash and dust I wipe my brow when I sweat my frost I'm breathing in the chemicals I'm breaking in and shaping up And checking out in the prison bus This is it, the apocalypse My vocal teacher really emphasized singing with an open mouth and like vocal cavity um, and really elevating your soft palate in on sort of like 
towards the back behind the roof of your mouth, you have like a soft palate. And if you open your mouth really wide slash maybe even raise your eyebrows, it might help raise the soft palate and it creates sort of a warmer tone of voice. But he really coached me on singing with sort of like this dark choral tone. And I don't know if he would have described it like that, but all of the vowels are long and open and welcome to the new age. Like, I don't know. It was almost like I was trying in the retrospect, it was almost like I was trying to sing a pop song with an operatic tone of voice. (laughs) In the meantime, neither being able to sing pop or classical music very well. And it was just, I don't know, like he was a really, really supportive teacher, but um, in the retrospect, I sort of like question his judgment on that. <laughs> um, but I also have a old, old, old iPhone recording of myself, like making a voice note from my vocal lessons about how my teacher advised me on singing radioactive. And another thing that was really big to him was put yourself in the mind of the songwriter or the character described in the song. And if you can picture the emotion and translate the emotion in the lyrics, then you will sing the song better. So this is me kind of explaining that in the context of Radioactive. Again, this is a recording from 2014, so (laughs) just be warned. Here you go. For singing radioactive, the lyrics are, is sort of a soliloquy about living in some sort of, like, not a great life like that. So, also, waking up is the first lyric. So, um, act tired, don't over-enunciate, be sort of, keep the diaphragm support, but maybe lose a little energy and sort of try to use the California accent that they have, although I don't have to mimic everything exactly, because I am a different person. Yes. It's just so bizarre to me to hear old recordings like that, because it's it's almost like almost like hearing a different person talking. My voice has changed so much since then. I mean, obviously. And <laughs> um, just for context, I used to have a very, very, very thick Minnesotan accent, except I didn't realize that I had a Minnesotan accent until I went to school in Nashville. And then everyone was like, hey, Martin, you have a Minnesotan accent. So then I actively worked on trying to reduce my Minnesotan accent, particularly with the vowel O, I realized I was doing the stereotypical Minnesota. Uh, So I would sometimes in the shower practicing Minnesota, Minnesota, trying to make the O really short rather than zo, like Minnesota. And rather than soda, like with the long ah at the end, Minnesota with more of a duh at the end. And while I probably still have quite a bit of a Minnesotan accent, even if I don't realize it, it's like very clearly reduced since I went to college. So that's one reason my voice has changed. Another thing, I think that recording 
was made, that recording of me talking during a vocal lesson that I just played was made shortly before I got nasal surgery. So I used to have, kind of still have, a deviated septum, which means, you know, the septum, that little barrier between my two uh, nostrils is crooked, like like leaning one direction, which restricts airflow in my nose and makes it so that I have chronic congestion, like I'm constantly uh, needing tissues. Like if I don't have a tissue within five feet of me at any point in the day, then that's a problem because I might need to blow my nose at some point. And I probably go through like, I don't know, 20 to 30 tissues at least a day. Um, And that's if I'm not sick. If I'm sick, then I'm probably going through like 90 to 100 tissues in a day. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so my deviated septum used to be worse, but I actually had surgery in 2014 to try and correct that. And my vocal teacher speculated that in getting that surgery, I would actually change the resonance of my voice because the way the nose is structured affects so much of vocal resonance. And I don't know, it's hard to tell like in the short term how much of a difference that made in my voice, but I do think that it is possible that it did contribute to my voice getting somewhat brighter like it is now. Like, if you can tell, (laughs) I'm not like this low robotic voice anymore. But part of that might also be just the way I choose to talk. Like, if I wanted to, I could kind of talk in that low robotic voice and lean into the Minnesotan accent a bit more. Um but I choose not to because it's not fun (laughs) and it doesn't feel like me to try and go back and speak like that anymore. Um, So yeah, yeah. It's just like the reason I'm sharing these clips is to A, reflect on my vocal lessons and B, how my voice has changed. One very memorable moment from my vocal lessons with that instructor was when we were working on the song All of Me by John Legend. That that is that is more more difficult of a song than I wish we were working on because I was just trying to like struggle to learn the basics of pop singing and it's like let's learn to sing this song by this really skilled really talented singer that's a hit on the radio right now but uh, I I learned to play it on piano I tried to learn it note for note I think I I forget did I use a transcription or did I learn it by ear. Probably it probably needed sheet music to learn it, but it was really fun to learn to play it because it's a song that A, is popular on the radio, and B, since it's mostly piano and vocals, I could imagine myself singing it live in front of an audience, you know? So it was really like, oh, this would be really, really great to add to my repertoire when I'm playing these solo performances. So I was excited about that, and my vocal teacher thought it would be a good song to learn to, um, you know, I guess exercise and and stretch those parts of my voice. So we were talking about it and he was coaching me on it. And at one point I was getting ready to play all of me at an actual performance. And I remember my vocal teacher making this comment. And this is, this is one of these things that really sticks out really clear to me in my memory. He said something along the lines of, you know, Martin, I think you're going to do a really good job at this performance because on one hand, 
you have really, really great piano skills and people will be really impressed by that. And on the other hand, your voice is also nice and it's clear that you're putting a lot of effort to it. But, you know, people will definitely gravitate towards your good piano first and your voice second. (laughs) And I don't know if that's exactly the way he put it, but what it felt to me at the time was that he was saying, Martin, you're a good piano player. You're an okay singer. Your voice still needs work, but at least the piano is good. <laughs> and I, it's just, um, hello to the, to the drums. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll, um, we can talk over them. So, the thing was that as I was preparing for these performances, it was that piece of feedback from my vocal instructor and then the feedback from my stepmom. Um, I forget if this was even the same performance. It might not have been, but my stepmom at one point told me, like, just flat out, Martin, I don't think you're a good singer. I think you should focus on the songs where you're playing them instrumentally. And that's really, really nice. But I don't think you're ready to sing at this performance. Like she strongly. So, so for that performance, the songs that I had planned to play, I think there were like five instrumentals and one where I was going to be singing and she was discouraging me from singing. So I didn't, um, I took her advice. I did not sing because I mean, her feedback was that my voice just wasn't there yet. And I really took that to heart. And, and yeah. And, and when I've, when I've shared that particular story with other people later, they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry that you had a stepmom who wasn't encouraging to you. But it's like, first of all, I love my stepmom. Absolutely no disrespect to her. She's a wonderful person. And we have a really good, relationship as far as, you know, son, stepmother relationships go, you know, uh, we, we go way back and we have a really good relationship. But, um, when, when, when other people that I'm sharing this story of her feedback for me, when they react negatively, it's like, (sighs) well, what would you have done in that situation if you were a parent of a child who was preparing for a performance and they, you know, you, you you were able to see, oh, okay, the singing is not great. Like, do you just ignore it? Do you, do you lie and say, oh, yeah, your voice sounds great. Keep working at it <laughs> or whatever. You know, if your honest opinion is that the vocals are not good, it can, like, there's... <sighs> There is benefit to constructive criticism or quote-unquote tough love. Um, If anything, her feedback helped me focus my energy, my creative energy, on working at the things that I was already good at, you know, playing piano, playing saxophone, etc., and honing those skills rather than focusing on singing, which would have just you know, everything's priorities, <laughs> focusing on singing, I would have had less time to work on those other instruments anyway. So pros and cons to everything. I can't say how my life now would or would not have been different if 
these these people, my vocal instructor, my um, stepmom, etc., if they had just been silent or something, like I, I honestly don't think that would have been a better alternative. <laughs> but another thing that I really clearly remember from my high school experience, which influenced my attitudes towards singing, was when I was playing these songs with my friend who was a theater student. And she, to me, didn't strike me as a person who was like all in on music the same way as me and my friend Bobby were. Like, <laughs> maybe this is not not a fair comparison, but in my brain at the time, I felt like I was 100% committed to working on music and making that be my life passion. And this other friend of mine who was involved in musical theater was like kind of, you know, into music, but it didn't seem to me like uh, that was her main focus. But she came to me and was like, hey, can we do some cover songs maybe? I forget exactly how the idea came up, but we ended up recording some cover songs that we put on YouTube with her singing and me playing piano and um, one with her playing, I think, drums and singing and me playing piano. And and I was really impressed by her singing. And I was a little bit surprised because of this, you know, myopic view of thinking where people have to be in a lane and stick to it. I was like, what? She's not in the music lane. Um, so... Like, and it was also clear to me that singing was a very, very new thing for her. Like, she hadn't been doing it for a long time. So I was just curious, like, compared to me, where I had been, like, trying to get better at singing for, like, the past three years, and her, where she had just been sort of getting into it over the past few months or so, or at least that was my perception of it. I don't know if it was true or not. <laughs> um, it just seemed to me like I had been working really, really hard at learning to be a good singer, and she had not been taking vocal lessons and was not working at it for as long and was still better than me at singing. Like, how is that fair? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, the one day when she came over to my house and we recorded some songs, after that, I just, I had like, I had like an hour long discussion with her about like, how, how did you get so good at singing and where did that come from and how did that develop? And her responses were basically just that, I don't know, I was practicing singing in the car just along with songs on the radio. <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything like, oh, I watched this a uh, series of 20 YouTube videos on how to be a good singer and then worked and practicing X number of hours every single day. You know, that's how my brain would have worked and approached the subject like singing. But for her, it was just like, I don't know, it's just something that was fun. And she said she started doing and yeah, got got good at it in a short period of time. So, <laughs> um that, along with the feedback that I was getting at the time, was really, really, really uh, a big reason why I did not focus on singing and started to think of myself not as a singer. Um, and one thing that was also going on around the same time, this is, I think, 2015, I read the book The Song Machine by John Seabrook. 
And it was the first book that I read about the music industry. And it was also the first time, therefore, that I learned about songwriters who just write, who don't sing. And that that is a big industry and that there's a lot of people, even sometimes more people that are writing songs than the artists that are singing them. So like, that's really, really fascinating. And at the time I was like, I want to do something like that. I definitely want to be one of these behind the scenes songwriters like Max Martin, like Savan Kotecha, uh, like other songwriters that are, that are mentioned in the book. Um, and yeah, nonetheless, I still felt like it would be nice to get better at singing and that it would be a valuable thing to work on. And there was a period of time where I was actually thinking, you know, what if I did get better as a singer? What if I did go on stage and perform with my looping pedal? And even though I'm not a good singer now, what if I really dedicated all this time and energy into it? Well, step one would be that I would need to go back into vocal lessons because for a period of time, I actually quit vocal lessons because I just didn't feel like I was going anywhere with that, um, that teacher that I was working with that I talked about earlier. So, um, I was like now, uh, being 2015 perspective, (laughs) I'd been out of vocal lessons for a few months and I was like, okay, well, I'll need to find a new instructor. Um, if I really want to get serious about singing again, if, (laughs) um, so I thought, you know, why would I restrict myself just to the vocal teachers that are within close geographical proximity to me when I could in theory just choose from however many vocal instructors there are in the world that have an internet connection. So I started looking at options for online vocal instructors and I did something totally unprecedented I auditioned them. I, <laughs> I, I told them that I wanted to have a demo lesson to decide how much I liked their instruction or not. And I think I had like maybe three of those demo sessions in total. And I can't imagine how that would have been from the vocal teacher's perspective. It's like, okay, you want, you, you want me to teach you vocal lessons, but only if I perform well enough in this demo session, like, what? Like, like, I don't mean perform as in the teacher themselves sings and is really impressive, but just like the way that they work with me. Um, I don't know. There's, there's nothing wrong with trying out different teachers. Maybe, maybe that's fine. Maybe I'm being too critical of my past self, but regardless, I ended up deciding that I really, really liked a teacher who was based in Hawaii. Um, so there was quite a bit of time difference there, but from the moment I made the decision that I wanted to potentially work with her for these lessons, which by the way, were three times more expensive than my previous vocal lessons. Uh, the, the amount of time from making the decision to go with that teacher tentatively to then deciding that I actually didn't want to sing at all <laughs> was only a period of a few weeks because, um, yeah, I decided that I really did want to focus on songwriting and nothing else. That was at the beginning of January 2016. Uh, I did a whole two episodes on that topic already, and I've mentioned it several times, but I 
was deciding to be a songwriter right after being on the brink of potentially getting these really expensive online vocal lessons. <laughs> um, but I felt so much more comfortable just pursuing songwriting after that. And I was really, really, really happy about the fact that I would never have to sing a song in public ever again, which, you know, ended up not being true, of course, <laughs> because when I was applying to college to get a songwriting degree, one of the colleges that I was applying to, Los Angeles College of Music, required me to perform my songs on video and submit a video application, which I was not happy about because it's like, wait, if I'm, if I'm a songwriter, why do you care how I sing my songs? But they were like, no, this is the application process. So I did it, even though I wasn't too happy about it. Um, when I was applying it to the, the Belmont University songwriting program, the first two times I was able to submit recordings of other people singing the songs that I wrote, which I was much more confident with. But um, as I did not get accepted those first two times, then after that, they ended up changing the application process for everyone so that I had to record my own songs. I had to sing them myself and record them in a video format um, similar to the, the applications that I did previously. So I you know, I just had to deal with it. And it still was like, I'm not trying to be a singer. All I'm doing is trying to convey my songs the best I can, considering the requirement of the application. And I think, I'm not 100% certain, but I think that this Belmont songwriting application was, since it was like the first time I was singing seriously for a period of like two years since I basically went on hiatus from singing at all <laughs> uh, since it was the the first time that I was kind of getting back into it and it's like this is going to be viewed publicly <laughs> um, I think this is when I started to sing with a raspy voice and obviously just talking I don't have a raspy voice maybe that's not the right word whispering voice like I started adding this like whispering touch to my vocals to try and somehow make it more emotional and convey it better, even though it was the opposite of what my former vocal teacher would have suggested because he was very much like, you do things by the book, you need to sing with a, a large open palate uh, and just convey that pure tone. And I guess it was sort of out of rebelling against my former instructor that I was like, no, actually I'm going to sing with a, with a whispery voice. <laughs> um, and that's now how I sing almost all of my demos, just because I don't feel like any other style of singing that I've tried is effective. So I just, by default, I go to this like really whispery voice. So I'll play you a clip from my last Belmont songwriting application, the one that eventually did get me accepted. And hopefully you can hear this sort of like whispery style of singing. When I'm with you, I feel out of place Cause you want me to pretend I'm not me You've made me sit here nodding quietly Even though we never agree So just to illustrate what I'm talking about, take that last line, for example. Even though we never agree 
Like that's how I'd sing it now. And that's not too different from how I sang it back in 2017 when I was doing this application. Um, if I were to sing it quote unquote normally without the whisper, it would be more like this, even though we never agree. Um, pardon my out of tune vocals. It's like almost nine o'clock at night. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's different than even though we never agree, but to me, when I sing without the whisper, it just somehow, I don't know, maybe it's because it brings back too many memories of me in those old vocal lessons trying to convey this really nice pure tone of voice or whatever, but just like the sound of my voice listening back to it, I feel like the whisper is so much better. But the problem is, the problem with the whispery vocals is that <sighs> they really strain my voice. I'm not going to lie. They are really hard on my voice. And I can tell because when I'm trying to record demos of my own songs these days, these days being like, you know, within the past three years or so, I can only record in that whispery voice for about like 20 minutes before I start to not be able to sing notes anymore because my voice just can't take it. <laughs> um, I mean, there, there's gotta be a way, like if I were to work with a vocal teacher, there's gotta be a way for theoretically somebody to help me sing with a little bit of a whisper without dragging my voice down the concrete and like destroying it <laughs> there's got to be a healthy way to sing with a whispery voice billy eilish does it apparently for instance um but yeah so uh this is just to reflect on that beginning of me singing with this whispery voice was kind of the beginning of two things simultaneously one i got more confident in my ability to actually sing and have it sound more or less okay. And later I would start doing writer's round performances in school and stuff. And I, I would sing with the whispery voice. So on one side, I got more confident. Second, as I was just saying, <laughs> it's it's not not great for my voice. And that has... I, I don't think... I've honestly been singing enough for that to cause any long-term problems, but if I were to start practicing singing every day, and if I were to always use that whispery voice, it would probably be a, a problem. But right now, since, you know, I'm not a singer, I don't plan to do that anytime soon. I don't sing all that often, or at least I don't sing like I'm, <laughs> like, like I'm trying to record a demo and be emotional and whispery uh, very often. It's only like, I don't know, maybe a, a few times a year at most when I'm trying to record a song. Um, because it's not that often, I can get away with it, I think. But yeah, definitely, if I'm going to be singing more frequently in the future, I would definitely need to talk with somebody who knows more about this stuff than I do to be able to sing in a way that I like and that sounds good without destroying my voice. Like maybe the option 
is not to sing with a whisper at all, but just to sing them better without a whisper. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I'm still figuring this stuff out. At the moment, it's not a high priority to me. But back to the story. So I was applying for the Belmont Songwriting Program. Um, I got accepted, which felt really good. Then when I was doing more co-writing sessions and collaborations, uh, I was, you know, having to sing in those co-writing sessions because that's the only way to really convey melody ideas when you're communicating with somebody else, um, unless you're, I guess, playing a melody on a piano or a guitar, which is possible. But typically when you're writing a song, even if you do have a piano in front of you, you're going you're gonna to share your melody by singing it because ultimately it's a song and it needs to be sung. Uh, anyway, um. I did do more writers round performances, I, which is just when songwriters perform their own songs um, in a round in a group of people um, taking turns one after another. Um, I was doing more comedy songs, songs that I thought were funny. I did a whole episode on that. I'm not going to repeat all of that. Um, I did much more like like in my songwriting classes, when we'd have to write a song and then share it in class, I was always, always more comfortable if they let us record a demo rather than play it live in front of the class. Because again, I'm not much of a, even though I will perform if it's like the situation requires it, if given the choice, I'd much rather present a recording. <laughs> so um, doing these demos for these songwriting classes I would typically sing in that raspy voice and I would typically, you know, I, I think at the beginning it was a little easier and then later maybe I just went full on into the into the whisper voice. But <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's find out. That'd be interesting. I'm going to listen to a demo from songwriting class that I haven't listened to in a while and I'll play it for you and we'll we'll see if a very early demo from one of my earliest songwriting classes still has a strong whisper in it or not. So let's see. Okay, I found a song that I wrote in Songwriting 1 and this is called Feed the Flames. Two twenty-somethings at the end of lunch She asked when am I gonna see you Okay, so there's a little bit of a whisper, but I think, yeah, my, my assumption that it got more pronounced over time, that I was leaning more into the whisper, I think, I think that's what happened, because I think at the beginning I was just using a slight whisper, and then I was just like, let me go all out and sing in a really whispery, slightly raspy voice. Um, not that raspy, but <laughs> um, yeah, so just for comparison, so that was a song I recorded for songwriting one, like the first quote unquote real songwriting songwriting class that I took. But here is a demo of a song that I wrote in my last songwriting class as a senior in college right before I graduated. This is called Alternate Reality. We crossed paths in a perfect storm You were the one I was waiting for I was about to accept defeat Till you filled me with electricity So you can tell that I'm really going for it. It's like, till you filled me with electricity. Not that extreme, but it's also not, till you filled me with electricity. You know, that would be a, a very different style of singing. So anyway, that kind of brings me... Uh, 
almost up to the present with how my different experiences have shaped my singing and my attitudes towards singing. Um, just to, to briefly summarize how I feel about it now, which I'm not going to really get into that much because I have talked about it in bits and pieces in other episodes on this podcast. But as of right now, I feel like I still don't want to be a singer. I still don't want that to be my main thing. I think if I got a little bit better at singing, it would be a helpful tool to use when I'm recording demos of my songs, when I'm in co-writing sessions, because being a better singer helps you come up and share melody ideas better. It would be a very useful skill to have to be a little bit better at singing. That being said, I'm not necessarily prepared to go back to weekly vocal lessons. However, after doing this episode, I think I could probably benefit from having like just two two sessions with a vocal instructor. I feel like just seeking outside advice even if not on a weekly basis, because that would ruin my budget. <laughs> um, having having at least someone to talk to once to get a little bit of guidance, how to sing well without you know destroying my voice, how to work on my intonation a little bit better, because that's something that I still really struggle with. I'm always, always, if I'm recording a demo, I'm always needing to melodyne it. If I don't put any tuning on my voice, then it sounds infinitely worse. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so so as of right now, I'm very, very reliant on tuning, um, editing, compression. I typically record at least like five or six different takes and then even when I try to find the best one, it's like I'm still not very satisfied with my own voice. I am not doing performances as of late. I mean, honestly, I haven't done a single performance since the pandemic started because pandemic. Um, and it might be something that I might be interested in doing again in the future, I would say, especially if I'm performing comedy songs, which... The fact that I'm more comfortable at singing comedy songs live than I am singing serious songs does go to show that I don't quite take my own voice seriously enough to sing serious songs. You know what I'm saying? I'm more comfortable singing songs that are joking where the emphasis is not on, oh, what a what a beautiful melody. It's like, no, I'm singing like ridiculous joking songs. Honestly, if I was more confident in my voice, I might not feel the need to write so many comedy songs. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's, there's nothing wrong with comedy songs. I, I like it. It's, it's something that makes me stand out a little bit. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, you're, with with any any person who is a musician your voice is unique to yourself nobody else has your voice you know compared to like piano somebody could get the same piano the same model and it would sound pretty similar um obviously different people have different styles of playing a piano but like the voice there's so much difference from person to person and you can much more easily recognize like a particular um singer than you can necessarily recognize a particular guitar player or piano player etc um so i think there's just with singing there's a lot of opportunity for individual expression and like ownership over your voice it's just i don't feel like 
my voice is really there at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say on the the vocal topic, which leads me into am I going to sing on this song that I've been writing throughout this podcast miniseries? Am I going to sing it or am I going to hire somebody else to sing it for me? I have not totally decided yet, but I wanted to take the second half of this podcast to give an update on the song and then to kind of talk through whether I am trying to decide one way or the other. So, yeah, look forward to it. So as of last week's episode, I had just finished writing a complete draft of lyrics for the song, and I read those lyrics aloud on the podcast, and I explained kind of what I was thinking about some of those lyrics. Um, I had already revised it a little bit, but I was still wondering, is this something where I want to share this song or these lyrics to someone else and get their feedback so that I can make a better revision and hopefully a better song overall? And since recording that episode, I've decided that I am not too interested in going through any rounds of feedback and revisions in this particular song. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a naive or short-sighted decision, but just hear me out. I used to be very, very reliant on getting feedback, and I always felt that I needed to get feedback and needed to go through several stages of revisions in order to be confident that a song was good. But now I've gotten more confident in my ability to write lyrics that intentionally mean what I want them to mean, and and therefore I don't need to go through so many stages of revisions. While I think that definitely there's no harm per se in getting feedback sometimes especially with a song that's really personal like this one it might i don't know it, it can plant seeds of doubt like is this really a good song is this really what i want to be doing and cause me to second guess things and for the purposes of this project the song i thought i knew what i wanted that i've been working on over the past five weeks i really think that <sighs> Going and getting feedback from a bunch of people would delay the process and make me second guess it and I just I I don't I don't want to deal with all that right now. I just I I feel like a certain sense of I have momentum built up with the songwriting process and I'm like this is going somewhere and I am on a roll and I think that if I were to stop and ask for outside advice I might somehow i don't know lose confidence in it that's just a suspicion that i get um anyway so i'm not going through an extra step of getting feedback from people however since the version that i read on the podcast i did actually change two lines that i just felt were clunky and needed to be revised so for instance in the verse um sorry not the verse in the bridge of the song there's a part that goes, maybe all I need is to trust my gut and to take things day by day, week by week. When I was recording the demo for this, I was like, 
to take things day by day, like specifically the word things is really awkward to sing. And it's honestly just more conversational to say, to take it day by day on replacing things with it. So that's the new line now. Um, maybe all I need is to trust my gut and to take it day by day, week by week. Um, and then a more significant revision that I made was in the first verse of the song, originally it was waiting until the reckoning. It was unsettling to hope for something so far out. And that beginning part, that waiting until the reckoning just felt really overly dramatic. And I don't really even know what I meant with that line because it's like, apparently there's a, there's a colloquialism like the day of reckoning or something like the day of reckoning has arrived, like something in the future that is like an ominous thing that's about to happen. Um, but, (laughs) and I was sort of trying to make the comparison of like, Oh, I was before, before I learned about asexuality and aromanticism, I was just waiting to find a match. And it was like this dramatic thing that was supposed to happen, like a day of reckoning, which is not, really line up and it's it's really convoluted so i felt like i could definitely write a better line than that so i actually did because you know i was just going through the whole process of rhyming and rhyme theory uh i went to the good old phonetic word search that i could find exactly a rhyme that worked i wanted it to be really close to necessity which is the very first line of the song searching for a necessity um if i could find a word that matched all those vowels. Um, so necessity, if you were to just restrict it to the vowel sounds, would be a, a e, or even just like the last three vowels, necessity or e. Um, so <laughs> I won't bore you with the specifics, but I went into the phonetic word search and I typed in the codes for those vowels and um, looked at <sighs> lists of words and tried a whole bunch of options some of them which weren't working, um, and I just got really stuck and in my own head about it. Um, the closest that I saw on the website that would maybe work for that rhyme was identity, um, but I wasn't really sure what I would use except for waiting for an identity for a lyric, and it's just nothing was really lining up. So then I just kind of like, it's like, oh, okay, well... <laughs> I I was really excited about using this rhyming website that I used to use when I was like in high school, but I guess it's just not working for this particular line, which is fine. So I was just brainstorming other options. I wrote down waiting to find the one for me, but that was still too emotional and overly dramatic. And so I was like waiting to find a match for me, waiting oh so patiently, and then I was like, oh, waiting very patiently is still not great, but it's better than it was. <laughs> so now now the, the lyric is, waiting very patiently, it was unsettling to hope for something so far out. You know, because I was waiting to find a relationship, which ended up never really occurring. Um, at least that's what I'm trying to say in the song. So... Yeah, those are the those are the lyric updates that I've made. I also, if you remember way back episode three in this mini series about sound design, and towards the end of the episode, I talked about producing a rough instrumental for the song. At that time, the instrumental was only the first 
uh, like the introduction verse, pre-chorus, and chorus, except all I had for the chorus was just uh, a piano loop. Um, no other instruments, only piano. <laughs> so it was super rough, super not fleshed out at all uh, to just have that that very first beginning of the song, which, you know, it was enough to come up with melody and lyrics, but still to record an actual demo, the track needs to be much longer. It needs to be more fleshed out. The mixing doesn't need to be totally perfect, but it should be at least in the ballpark of what the final song might sound like. So after working on those lyric revisions, I did spend a good number of hours, I think maybe like around three hours or more, um, working on fleshing out the production, recording more instruments. Um, I, I will admit that I did concede and I have used some outside samples, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, I mean, you can certainly record all your own stuff if it's working. But for instance, um, the the kick drum that I was using, uh, which I made with a combination of a sound of stomping on the floor plus slamming two big books together, but like pitch shifted down, even with like the the EQ and the recording and editing that I did for those two sounds combined together, it still wasn't as hard hitting of a kick sound as just, you know, literally any random kick sample on the splice library. So <laughs> I did actually end up layering that kick that I made myself with a splice library kick drum, but starting just at like the the second half of the verse so that there's still some time for the song to like build momentum before you get to that low um punchy kick i also grabbed two percussion loops from the splice library from a sample pack called gym class volume one i think it was called and they just i use them in the chorus they kind of just add to the groove and feeling of the song um i added some of the samples that i'd recorded in the stairway back when i was in college some big dramatic claps and snap noises that kind of fleshed out the track made all sorts of other little edits that are not interesting enough to talk about on the podcast. But one thing that was fun was that I recorded a little sample of my own voice singing under my pillow on my bed, uh, just, you know, as lazy as possible singing, because then I was going to sample it. Um, so <laughs> uh, I ended up using that in an interesting way. So here's the recording of me singing in bed. So I took that recording, I edited out some of the background noise, I tuned it perfectly in Melodynes that's right on pitch, and then I chopped it right in the middle of the recording, so rather than like the, uh, or like that, that sort of slow beginning, I wanted like a really, really choppy beginning of the sample. And after those edits, this is what it sounded like. And then I dropped that sound into the sampler instrument in Logic so that I can play just that sound, but on any note of the keyboard. And then I also added a bunch of reverb and echo slash delay so that it sounded like this cool sort of synthy instrument, but literally all you're hearing is my voice with some extra effects on it. <laughs> 
Um, and then I used that in the second verse of the song. So here's just that track. Uh, I'm going to play it with the drum samples that I already talked about in the previous episode, uh, along with this new vocal synth that I just designed a few days ago. So yeah, I love it that I don't have to be a good singer in order to do fun stuff like that, that I can still take a raw recording of my voice and transform it into something that sounds totally different. Like that feels very, very powerful as someone who is not confident in just singing normally. Um, So of course, also I had talked about in that previous episode, I had recorded a little bit of vocal bass that I pitch shifted down for the verse. And then also a new element that I recently added to the song is a another bass in the chorus this time, but rather than just me singing it and pitch shifting it down, it's from these long boos that I that I had been recording for another thing. Um, but then taking those long oohs from my voice and like doubling that with a sine wave, um, which is just, you know, a very normal wave doesn't have much texture to it, but to just make like a sub bass sound out of that. So I think I'd previously talked about using some of those vocal recordings to make this like flowing, like synth sound, um, that was playing chords. But in this case I was using it as a bass. So there's like two different bases in the song now that are based on my voice, but in two different ways. And there's also these, these chords that are based on my voice. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm finding all these ways to include my voice into the the instrumental parts of the song. And aside from that, there's the question of who's going to sing in the final version of this song, which is a question that I've been procrastinating as long as possible. But we're getting to the point where I'm going to just have to make a decision on that. Um, and part of my decision-making process was recording a demo of the song on my own, singing it, which I did earlier today. Again, it took like a bit over three hours to record and edit my vocals. And I was experiencing the same thing where I like record with that whispery voice. And then I kind of like burn out after a short period of time. And then I have to take lots of breaks and drink lots of water. And I need to figure out a healthier way to sing demos. (sighs) But, but I do have, um, a finished recording, just like the, the idea that I can sing on a rough draft of this song and then maybe, maybe I can decide whether I want to re-record a final version or just get somebody else to sing it. Like, that's very comforting. But finally, finally, I'm going to play you the demo that I made of this song in full. It's about three minutes long, so just just brace yourself. I do want to play the full demo just because this has been such a long time coming. You know, this is the long haul. This is stretching the songwriting process over so many weeks, and so I think it's really important just to play the full-length song. And then after that, I'll talk about, you know, how I'm feeling about whether these vocals are maybe good enough to potentially be me as the final singer or not. So we'll see. But here is the song. I can't believe we've made it to this point. Wow. Searching for 
a necessity And never questioning The path I was headed down Waiting Very patiently It was unsettling To hope for something So far out Anyone and everyone is coupling up Am I falling behind? Do I need to catch up? Cause they say that nothing matters more than falling in love So why can't I relate? I thought I knew what I wanted But now, no, 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 now I just don't know good as a demo i think that for a final version of this song that i would like release to the public on spotify i mean heck this podcast is public but it feels like there's a difference in putting out a song on my spotify page it just seems like it's a lot more visible and a lot more like oh this is the catalog of the work i feel really strongly represents me as a musician um I just don't know if I'm if I'm confident enough in even if I do re-record the vocals like uh, it it'll only get like so good like there's definitely a threshold of how what percentage better I can make it in a short amount of time you know like maybe just maybe theoretically if I really worked at singing in like a year or two, I could get a lot better, which first of all, I'm not that motivated. Second, like what if it's just easier to have somebody else sing it? Like, 
I remember um, one thing that was kind of influential about my college experience, which I forgot to mention earlier, was the Strings Finder book that we had to read, you know, where you find out your strings and what you're good at. But the, I forget entirely what the results of like that survey were, what the book said my strings were supposed to be, but just the philosophy of catering towards and improving your strengths rather than just, you know, wasting time and trying to improve your weaknesses, like get good at the things that you're already decent at. And it's, it's so much better to do that than to fight the long uphill battle of, trying to improve something that you're just not even naturally inclined towards, which might be singing for me. I, I'm just, might just not really be in the cards. I don't know. That's not like a growth mindset though. And I, it's, 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 it's a whole thing. My voice is still sore from recording those vocals earlier. I just felt it again. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think... I think at this point, while I'm not ready to make a 100% decision, I'm definitely more inclined to ask a friend to sing this song for me. And as far as anything that's like, oh, well, it's not your friend's story, it's your story. It's like, come on. <laughs> in in any, any co-writing scenario in which different people are writing a song for one artist to sing it's probably not going to just be that one artist's story. You know, it's a combination of everyone's stories there, or it might be even personal to one of the writers who is not the artist. And still the artist is the one singing it. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with singing a song based on someone else's story. Just like there's nothing wrong with acting in a movie and portraying someone else's, you know, a fictional character's perspective that may be different than your own perspective. There's nothing wrong with singing something, even if it's not your experience. And I shouldn't be obligated to have to sing this song just because it's personal to me. It should still be able to have emotional weight, even if the person singing it is not the same person who wrote it. You know, I I hate the stigma of like, oh, it, it destroys the artistic integrity if someone who didn't write the song sings a personal story of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's it's late. My thoughts are kind of a little bit scrambled at the moment, um, and I need to get to bed. But that's what I'm leaning towards right now. I'm leaning towards having someone else sing it. I will let you all know any updates on that, hopefully next week. Um, or or <laughs> maybe I'll finally have to just take a break from this mini-series for one week and then come back to it. We'll see. Um I keep saying that I need to take a break, but I think the actual break is going to be in May because that's when I'm moving and it's when I'm going to on um, to see my brother's graduation. Anyway, I'll talk more about the podcasting schedule once that gets more ironed out. But yeah, for the time being, um, I will be back next week in some shape or form, um, whether it's to finish this song or maybe just skip one week but then come back to it. But I don't want to drag it out too long. Anyway, I'm rambling um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed seeing the process of the song develop. I hope you've enjoyed the reflection and all these past experiences and these recordings of myself singing in the past. Ah! <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of cringeworthy stuff in there. Anyway, um, have a good one. I hope whatever you're doing, multitasking and driving, cleaning, doing the laundry, petting your cat is going well while you're listening to this. And what do I see? 
I see my lack of my nice dresser that I that I got that was the example of what I saw several months ago and the reason it's not there is because it's at the new house now but I'm still at the old house and I'm gonna I'm not fully moved yet but there's just the big empty space in my room now that that shelf isn't there so that's what I see anyway thank you all have a good one and until next time 